You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. Welcome to Run It Again. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. Don't forget to visit runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Coming up, protocol, protocol. Is the NFL season in jeopardy? It's the players versus the league. We want to turn the mic around and hear from our listeners. Have a question you'd like answered on the next episode of Run It Again? Just send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at runitagainpod. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode and for a chance to hear your questions answered. You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. We'll be back after this message. There are families that will go hungry tonight. Every day, people who have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. The need is greater than ever before, and your neighbors need your help. Donate today to support communities facing hunger during this time of uncertainty. Every dollar you give can provide at least 10 meals to children and families in need through the Feeding America Network of Food Banks. Please make a donation today at feedingamerica.org. Thank you. Get ready for the Learn Again podcast. Huddle up, huddle up. Every week, you'll be hearing stories that take you beyond the daily sports grind with unique insight from former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. Just feels like the college football season discussion gets more and more complicated. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on earth, Super Bowl winning coach Mike Martz. I do think professional sports has such an impact on the American psyche that I think everybody's going to want to try and get this up and running in some version of it. We'll connect you directly to the source and tell you what's really going on. The biggest issue is, and I think this is important, is they're not exposed to family either. Oh boy, that's going to be interesting. With conversations and tales from guys on the inside. So click the button to subscribe for free and you'll get episodes sent straight to your phone every week. It's Run It Again. Welcome to Run It Again. Now, here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. You know, my, my, my wife is, is in the entertainment business, and she's a, a hotshot agent. And, you know, it's, uh, it's clear that she runs the household and everything else. Well, clearly you married up. I married up. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, so... There is this, uh, you know, she, she's always doing a lot of contracts. She's very good at contracts and language and contracts and everything and so on and so forth. <clears throat> so she, uh, at times, she will talk to me about this particular clause that, that you know, I'm sure you know about and, and our listeners may or may not know about. It, it's called force majeure. All right. And the term force majeure, I'm going to I'm going to get real technical here and read this uh, right out of Webster's is a contractual clause that essentially frees both parties from liability or obligation when an extraordinary event or an act of God happens. War, riot, crime, epidemic, etc. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because it just so happens that the NFL CBA, which is Collective Bargaining Agreement, that's the agreement uh, that exists between the league and the players, as we know all too well, uh, it has it, 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 it does not have that language in it. It does not have a force majeure. 
Now, were you aware of that? Did you know that? Because I didn't know that until. No, I did not. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. So in other words, an act of God. Okay. Uh, or an act of war, riot, crime, epidemic, all the things I just mentioned, that kind of act cannot end the agreement. So let's just say it's a uh, worldwide pandemic. I'll just throw that out there, which is what we have now. Uh, If the NFL had a force majeure in that contract, the NFL could say, oops, wow, this is an unusual situation. And boy, we're losing a lot of money and a lot of things have happened and, and, and people are dying and this is this is very serious. Well, you know, we're just going to end everything. We're not going to have a season. We're not going to pay you. We're not going to pay you either. That's what could happen. But because the NFL does not have that in the contract, guess who now has the upper hand? Guess who now has the leverage to actually, and I'm not saying this will happen, I'm saying this could happen theoretically, walk away from the season and say, mm, you know, based on what the government's told us, based on what the you know, Worldwide uh, uh, Pandemic Association has said, uh, we don't feel comfortable playing and we're not going to play. And oh, by the way, because there is no force majeure in that contract, you have to pay us. That that is a possibility, Mike, and 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 not only is it a possibility, uh, Demore Smith, the NFLPA executive director, which is the players' union, came out and said that uh, sometime last week. I, I don't know if he's setting the stage for that. I don't know if that's a card they're holding in their back pocket, but I just thought I would throw that out there. Well, first of all, you know, uh, as well as I do, all these contracts with players and coaches, uh, when it comes down to the the late hours, you know, final minutes of it, as we are right now, uh, before the training camp opens up, uh, things get a little heated and nasty. They wait to the final, you know, negotiation part of it for leverage right. and, and force things to get done. So the force majeure, here, here's how I look at it. The players have leverage. Good luck in trying to collect the money, okay. you know, if the season is. But you know how devastating if that did happen and they did pay it, it would destroy the league. There's just not that kind of money. You know, and as, right. as wealthy as they are, they put the league in such deep hawk, I don't know if they'd climb out of it. And then so it's just like winning a big lawsuit and then going to collect it and they say, well, listen, um, we had to file bankruptcy. Right, you know the amount yeah, right. of money they're staggering that be owed the players, and and there's no income. So how do you pay that? You know, and they they don't have that offset. You know, these guys are wealthy businessmen; they do very well, and the, you know all that stuff. But it it just is you have to be careful with those kinds of threats or those suggestions because if you know that would be devastating to this league and to the players. By the way, you know you think about this. You know, let's say that did happen. Let's say they did get the money. You know, from a public relations standpoint, yeah. I mean, how's that look to the average Joe out there? You know, here's, you know, you're working for a living. You're, you oh, know, I see. You the, the optic, do. the optic yeah. is very bad. Yeah, it's, very yeah, bad. I, I, it's, right, it's one right. of those nanner, nanner, nanner. <clears throat> you know, we're not playing, but by the way, pay me my ten million this year. <laughs> you know? Right? No, I, I hear, I hear you. Okay, well, what about insurance? 
you know, what, what clearly a, a league of this magnitude and and that's got this kind of financial power behind it, not just obviously right now, but has for a long time. Where is that? Well, I, I, I think it's up to the owners, and the owners will try and skip that. If there was no season, they're trying. I don't know that they would try and skip out of that. Uh, I don't yeah. know if they can. Uh, they've always been very good. Uh, they've done extra coverage and in insurance for a lot of reasons for coaches and players. I don't right. see that being an issue with the owners. I think they would try. They'll try to do the right thing. There. I really do. And I'm not. I'm not trying to support one or the other. Just to me, logic would say you. But you've got to take care of these guys. Yeah, we. This season's a, a push, but next year, I mean, you got to take care of these guys. You got to make sure you take care of their families. So, and the insurance right. most of the time is paid up. So, um, yeah. I would imagine. That wouldn't be a problem, but I don't know that. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it it is something that's on the table, whether it gets used or not. It is a card in Demore Smith's back pocket, I, I guarantee you. And in this business, you probably uh, bring all cards to the table, whether you plan on using them or not, just just to let the other side know. Now, let me go back to something here. We'll we'll run this again. If you're talking money that the league may or may not pay for, for whatever reasons, whether it's optics or, or whatever, financial down the line. This seven, this 35% salary escrow thing that happened uh, last week, and that was that the league came out and said, well, we're considering taking each player's salary, a percentage of it, 35%, and holding it in an escrow account uh, to help buffer uh, coronavirus revenue losses and pandemic uh, expenses that they would uh, they would have to spend, so on and so forth. Is, is that is that factor in here at all, Mike? Is that a part of, of this? What we're talking well, about? Well, I don't. I, you know, I'm not sure I quite understand it, Ron. I, uh, you know, it just it just kind of looks nasty, doesn't it? You know, that they're asking the players to. It's a lot of money. That's, yeah, take a thirty-five percent hit to help fund their losses. Um, yeah. You know, I, don't, I I just don't know. I think that I think in the in the final analysis, if there wasn't a season, they would have to negotiate some sort of payout to these players. Now, it's not going to be their salary, but they they do have to do something for them. I think just from a moral standpoint. Okay, but right. I, that's what I think. But you know, yeah. I'm different, so I don't I don't know that. Um, this 35% escrow deal makes a lot of sense to me. You know, they're hedging their bet, I guess, on in terms of, you know, if the season does not finish or does not even start or, you know, I guess it would be to some point, let's say you play two games and, you know, then it's you lose the season. Yeah. Somehow, some way, they're trying to hedge their bet with this. And absolutely, it must be legal. Otherwise, they wouldn't throw it out there and do that. But, I think this is a lot of posturing by both sides, you know, to get something done. And these, neither one of these sides have ever gotten along at all, period. They're just, they just don't like each other. Why, why is that before I go on to the next money. two points on this? Just money. Meaning? In other words, uh, these guys, these owners are all very wealthy men. You know, they're all billionaires and um, the clubs are worth a lot of money. And, one of the reasons is they make money, you know, <laughs> and these, they just, they're running a tight ship. And uh, if you will, and these players want to be compensated fairly for it and rightfully so. 
And so that there's what they think is fair and what the owners think is fair, never, it never really matches a whole lot, you know. And the revenue sharing thing, to me, I think you and I talked about this the other day on the phone, uh, the things that the NBA and the baseball have, the NFL does not have. And they missed the boat in the last NFLPA negotiations. That They've got to get that done. Because um, yeah. the league yeah. makes more and more money, but then by the same token, when they're taking a hit, then the obligation for the players – would be that you have to uh, share in this loss. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always wondered why that was uh, from a player standpoint. It, it, baseball, it seems like baseball and the owners, they get along differently. They, it, it seems like when they go to negotiation, they want to make things work. And I know now you could look at this past situation here, this, in these past couple months in their negotiations, they've been as rocky as I as I've seen in a while. But it just feels different. Basketball, oh my gosh, it doesn't feel like there's ever any strife between those two. It's like NBA yeah. owners say, oh, "What do you guys want?" Okay, here it is. Fine, can we go play now? I never well, hear about much from hockey. But but you know, Ron, think back to the strike years and how ugly those strikes were. Horrible. And and Horrible. how ugly the language was between them. And yeah. so this has got history that's never really gone away. Yeah. You know, with the, the very earlier strikes, what was it? The strike that was at the seventies and early eighties. Yeah. Um, that's right. I don't remember what year it was. That was a nasty, nasty, nasty strike. Yeah. And I just never, I don't believe they ever really recovered from it. So there's a posture that was established there. That's been ugly. And it's never really gotten any better. Yeah. And part of that and it's a leadership on both sides, obviously, but and I do think that, the leadership with the players, and you know this, and more people involved, the messier things can get in terms of making decisions. But the infighting, it seems, or the disagreement, if you will, amongst the, the leadership of the Players Association, you know, it's hard for them to, to, to come out with something that's really viable and meaningful. And if somebody's always going to disagree with it or be unhappy with it. And I think that's one of the reasons why they were never get they got the revenue done, the revenue sharing thing done. Yeah, you know, no, sell, we, we yeah. they sell for off season things, which is, you know, that's a, that's, come on. I mean, that's a popsicle. Oh, okay. Yeah. We don't, we don't have as much time there in the off seasons. Come on. That doesn't mean anything to the owners. No, 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 no. There's always been, you know, we've always had some kind of division within the NFL players' ranks concerning, you know, our, our union. Uh, I remember when I came into the league, Gene Upshaw what was was the president and you know half the guys supported gene and the other half of the guys didn't support gene and you know all this the the rhetoric was out there well be careful gene's an old raider and you know and a lot of that wasn't wasn't fair because ultimately i think some things gene did helped guys later on and there's some programs in place today financially that helped players you know that gene put in but that was that was the type of culture i know what you're talking about mike that was yeah. the culture that permeated for for so long so let, moving forward now and now to flip it to the other side he, here's what the league ha essentially has in their back pocket concerning this whole thing okay if if the the, the union has the no force majeure contract in theirs then the league has football related or non-football related injury 
what is this virus? How is it defined? Is it, if I go in and play and I come down with the virus, okay, I'm at the team's facility, all right, is this considered a football-related injury or a non-football-related injury? It has to be, don't you think, Ron? I mean, because it's like a sprained ankle. If you're skiing and you sprain your ankle, it's non-football. But if you sprain your ankle playing football, to to me, it's kind of the same thing. You know, the off-season – if you're not there and you contract it, who knows where you got it? You, you know, you could have got it at the Harry's Bar in Pacoima, California. Who knows? Right? <laughs> okay. but I haven't if, been there yet, but I'll, yeah. I'll look it up. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> but if you're at the facility or you're playing a game and you contract it through football, then it's a football-related injury. It has to be considered – or illness. It has to be considered. Well, such well you – one would think, okay, but now – let me let me back up on this on this again. If I if I get the virus, I got you tested me when I walked into the facility, okay, and, and I'm clean. And then all of a sudden I get the virus. Now I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about this and that. Blah blah blah. Uh, okay, that's one thing. But what if I now get the virus this time of year before camp has even started? Okay, and then I come in and you say, ah, oh, yeah, you got the virus. If, if they play, would you pay me? Do I get paid if I contract the virus before I came in and I don't want to play anymore because I don't want to risk any further damage to myself or my family? Now what do you do? Well, I think it's like anything else in terms of something that happened to you outside of football that affected your season where you can't play. Does the team owe you that money? Whether it's the virus or a disease or an injury that had nothing to do with being there at in camp or at the facility. I think once okay. you've reported and, and this happens to you, then it's responsibility of the league. Yeah, that's okay. league related. To me, there's a, a, a very clear separation. Um, and and so if you if you have it and you decide to opt out of the season, the obligation by the league is, it, to me, is released. And now, whether that's good or bad, or not, again, Ron, I'm not trying to say that the owners are right or the players are right. You know, right. it just to do the right thing to me is if you've got the virus and you don't want to play, or you had the virus, you just do not want to play. Could endanger. You know, I, I don't know how you can expect. Let's say if you're a doctor, a policeman, a nurse, a firefighter, and you get it. And you go to work and you say, you know what? I got, I just, I don't feel good about going back to work, but I want you to pay me. Yeah, I don't don't think think they're obligated. I don't don't think they're obligated. Yeah, especially when, and I know what's happening now and has happened the last couple of months is the workplace has said, if you don't feel safe coming into this environment to do work, then you don't have to. Uh, and if you can do your job at home, which most of America has done, then you do your job at home virtually like we've seen. But the problem is, I don't I don't think they have to pay you if you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming in to do my job because I, you know, you have to do your job there at the work. Let's say certain jobs you have to do at work, like a doctor. OK, you can't exactly. see patients virtually. OK, um, a dentist, same thing. You can't see people virtually in that vein so but anyway that's that i hear your point and and that's that's something that's been thrown out there that's why i'm bringing it up because that all of a sudden now that's a discussion 
how is well, this is this disease going to be or virus going to be looked at in those terms? Well, here's an example too. We had a we were doing some remodeling of our home, and uh, the contractor I went to high school with, a very good friend, and I asked him how things were going with. And this is in March and April. He said, "Well, I've got one or two guys that they're not they don't don't feel comfortable coming to work with us, mm-hmm. right?" Well, he's not paying them. <laughs> you know, they right. didn't come to work, and he can't do it at home. So, you no, know, that's right. I get it. Yeah. Thing. You know, and that's just, to me, it, it, it's the same thing, really. You know, and how a player could expect to get his contract, even though he felt that there was a real threat there. It right. just, I, it's just the rest of America wouldn't put up with it. No, no, you know, that's, no, that's, that's true. Yeah. So that's another, that's another topic. And then we have the last part of all of this, which is the good old player opt-out clause. And that's some new language that's been thrown out there here and it's basically a player could choose not to play at all this season for safety reasons there would be an august 1st opt-out date that would be a part of the ongoing league and union negotiations okay that's still being talked about but in essence is does a player still get paid for the year and get their credited pension there's another part of this for not just the pay what's also very important as an nfl player is your credited pension year so this is like adding money to your 401k for that year. That's more important later on in your life when you get ready to retire. Sure. Where does that fit in the whole this whole thing? Well, you know, from just our discussion, I, I would kind of feel like if you decide to opt out uh, because of the virus and you're not there to play, you have you you get paid to perform. Uh, you don't have the virus. You just decided it was too dangerous. Well, it's the same thing as, you know, all all Americans. It's the same deal. You don't go to work and you can't do it at home. Guess what? You, you're opting out. You can't. How, how can you expect to get paid? You know, um, I don't know. I just uh, unless the league decides to give them some sort of fraction of their salary, which I would doubt that they would do, but perhaps they will. I don't know. Well, they're obviously they're going to give them something. Because why is it even a clause? Why wouldn't you just say, hey, if you don't want to play, then don't even come in. Why do we have to have a term called opt out? What are they opting out of? That makes me think that if they opt out, they're not getting, they're not giving up everything. Like they're going to give them, like you mentioned, maybe half of the salary, maybe a percentage of the salary, maybe, I don't know, part of the credited season. You know what I'm saying, Mike? That makes me think that the... The option to opt out means you're getting out of something, but you're not like completely axing yourself of all the benefits well, somewhere me, down the line. Yeah, to me, Ron, the opt-out clause means to the owners that you've opted out of the season, but we still have your rights. We still Okay, there you go. There, still, there you go. You're that, still a right. player. Just because okay. you that doesn't make you a free agent kind of a thing, you know. Okay, great. Great. There, there it is right there. I think you, you hit it. Right on the head. All right. Well, this is this is again. These are some of the hot points right now, and the union and the the league they are negotiating back and forth as as we speak. One of the things that it looks like they're going to agree on is the league said to the players, "Okay, this preseason game thing, we're going to give you what you want, and we're, we're not going to have any preseason games." I don't know officially if uh, the PA 
NFLPA has agreed on that, but that was one of the hot topics for a long time. Uh, so they, they said yes to that. Um, so we'll see where that goes. But a lot of high-profile players uh, last week were pretty tight and pretty upset because the rookies are starting to trickle in. The vets will come in next week. But they, a lot of guys took to Twitter. Russ, Russ Wilson, J.J. Watt, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees. Uh, and it was about their safety and what's going on and the organization. They just didn't feel like they were hearing enough. ESPN analyst Tim Hasselbeck uh, kind of had, had an interesting soundbite discussing all of this and, and gives you a pretty good feeling about where everyone's at right now. So let's listen in. There are so many different things about this that I think the players are in the dark about. And I know that Adam Schefter throughout this time has been reporting that there have been teams that have been frustrated with the lack of you know, guidance and direction given to them from the league. And I think part of it is no one really knows. I mean, the, the experts on this don't really know. And so how in the world is a football team going to know how to handle it? Or, or a coaching staff with its players or a medical staff with the players on that team. Okay, you know, you ask, how would I handle it? Okay, look, I think there are going to be some players that are just dying to get back to normalcy. Young, healthy guys that think that they're going to be unaffected and not going to get, you know, uh, you know, have symptoms if they, in fact, you know, contract the virus. There are going to be other players that have different situations, whether it's them personally or the people close to them and around them that are concerned about, you know, their health and safety. And I don't see how these guys can start playing in training camp uh, when they don't know. They don't know if there's preseason. They don't know if there's no preseason. Are the roster you know, sizes going to be bigger? Um, you know, like, how are they going to help their families as they move to some of these cities? Because many of these players don't live in the cities that they play in. We, we have a lot of issues that need to get figured out before we think that there's going to be training camp in football. <laughs> okay. I just want to slap him. Uh, <laughs> come on, Tim. It, were these issues did did you worry about the the flight and the hotels uh, two years ago or last year and all of a sudden you you want the league to call you and tell you what everything's going you know first of all this some of this has got to be resolved between the NFLPA and the NFL and to to think that the expert is Adam Schefter that's where you're getting your your lead on everything. Maybe that little gal at the convenience store that broke the story on Mahomes. Maybe she's got a better idea. I don't oh, know. Oh, Katie, Katie yeah, Cam. Katie, yeah, Katie, yeah. That's you right. Know, she's a bigger expert, expert than he is. Do you think the league's going to let Schefter know all the details and what's going on? Like they have an obligation to this knucklehead? Yeah. Come right. on, right. you know, come yeah. on, Tim. And and the guys that he listed are all extremely wealthy and set for life. If they were young and coming in, and like he would be, uh, these you're not you're just going to show up. You're going to like you said, go play. You think the league just uh, you know did they just sit around and just well I don't know let's just wait to the end and we'll decide. Now, they have a plan. They they've worked on it. There's some things I'm sure that have to be worked out with the NFLPA as we discussed. But these yeah. flights and all that stuff that are, have been arranged uh, way in advance with the ability to cancel it. You know, um, because he doesn't know about it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And that's that kind of hysteria really bothers me in the an emotional part of it. The league, that, you know, it's like the, they have to put a newsletter out to all the players to tell them exactly how this is going on. Well, some of it has to be negotiated, like we said. 
you know, with the NFLPA. And because you wait to the, the ninth hour on this thing to get the negotiations completed because you're jockeying for position on the details, it puts the NFL in a jam to some extent. Yeah. So don't blame these guys. I mean, you're just as guilty in this thing as, as, the, as the owners in terms of some of the details not being worked out. But to, yeah, say, yeah, yeah. But to take your information from Adam Schefter, please, give me an aspirin. <laughs> An aspirin. Yeah, you know, everybody's in the same boat. Now, regardless of how they got in the boat, they're in this same boat. All right, Coach, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Run It Again after this message. Hey, it's Jesse Cage. Every Thursday, we release a brand new episode of First Match. It's a pro wrestling origin story podcast. This week, we feature one half of the NWA World Tag Team Champions, James Storm. I came home and I saw a commercial for USWA Wrestling that said, hey, do you want to be a pro wrestler? Do you want to be rich and famous and travel the world? I'm like, yeah, let's talk Sign me up. Sign me up. (laughs) Don't miss James Storm this week on First Match, wherever you catch your favorite podcasts. Run It Again is an inside look at the players, the coaches, and the business of sports with former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. And two minutes later, I was back in the same Oklahoma drill that I got the concussion from. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on turf, Coach Mike Marks. And we wanted to force him into a vanilla defense and go to work. Run It Again is a hard-hitting, no BS podcast that connects you directly to the source. This is Run It Again. Welcome back. Here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Mars. Be sure to join them every Tuesday for a new episode of Run It Again. All right, so here, here are the proposed protocols, okay, for how they're going to handle the virus, uh, how each team is going to behave, so on and so forth. And again, I just want to make sure I'm careful to, to let everyone know this hasn't been officially approved yet. It could be approved any day, any moment. But as of right now, not everything has officially been approved that you're about to hear. So item one, as far as testing, daily testing, first two weeks of training camp, daily testing. If the positivity rate from those tests is below 5% after two weeks, the testing shifts to every other day. If the positivity rate is not below 5% after two weeks, daily testing continues until it drops below the rate. If the positivity rate hits 5% at any point, the league returns to daily testing. No preseason games are already mentioned that. And then there's this 18-day acclimation period that the league has thrown out there uh, for, for, for camp. Uh, that's a perfect excuse to me later on if they go for this, and it works, to add more regular season games later on. But but we'll get to that part because I don't oh, like have stuff to say. You know that the case, yeah. That's a good right. point. <laughs> but let's go back to these these testing protocols. There, you, you agree with those? I mean, do you think that will work? Is that that's a lot of numbers? I know I threw a lot of numbers out there, but I, I do, I, and I think it does. You know, it's logical to me. Um, you know, once you've gotten below the 5%, then, I, you know, I, things change a little bit. I think that's logical and doable. The only thing about testing that bothers me, I was reading this morning, there's a, there's a bunch of labs in Florida, I think 32 of them, that reported 98% positive. And the actuality, it was 9%. They got busted on this. So, mm. you know, mm. again, the, 
the lab that they use has got one lab for the whole league. And as we talked about before, Ron, as you know, that lab, the, that information should be released to the league office and teams, and you know, the front office of the team at the same time. So that it's not leaked to the teams from the league just to assure that everybody has the same information, I think. Oh, you know, yeah, no, yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah, because now I, I this way, it, yeah. Yeah, and that's why it's important to have just one lab. Yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah, they can't right. they can't kind of, well, I'm not going to accuse anybody of doing something that's not right, but just to make sure that everybody's got the same information, let's just put it that way. And how so you can't finesse the system. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's right, right. And, I, and I've had concerns about that, especially when the season starts, the game starts, the winning starts, <laughs> the losing starts, and things get tight. Uh, guys will do a lot of things. Thing, weird things happen in, in organizations, and it's not just football. It can be anywhere. So, yeah, and, and they're going to have a testing outfit that is, that is just exclusive to the NFL you know, so as not to take from the pool of testing facilities for the general public. And I thought that was a great, thought it was a great move in general and definitely a great PR move by the NFL. No question. I think that's the right thing to do. This 18-day acclimation period, though, is going to be interesting, Ron. Without any preseason games, now I'd be interested to know how many of those days are they allowed to be padded up. I would imagine with just 18 days to get ready for your first game, you got to take the restrictions off of being padded up, wouldn't you think? Oh, boy. Now, okay, now, Mike, you just opened up a whole new can of, of because, dog food on this uh, one. All right, I'm a coach, right? Uh, and I got to get a team ready, and I got to cut this team. How are you going to evaluate this new young talent and, and evaluate somebody you picked up in the offseason for agent-wise, right? So uh, well, well, now, I, yeah. now you're looking at scrimmages that are full scrimmages, live scrimmages, takedown with officials, inter-squad scrimmages, and they're probably going to be at least two of them, I would think. As a head coach, I'd want to have two of them so that you can evaluate everybody. And that way you can kind of pick and choose your vets too. Now, we would always have one of those scrimmages before our first preseason game, right? And right. invariably, the vets would get a series and they're out. And then you'd look at the rest of them. And maybe perhaps – but they've got to have those kinds of scrimmages. They've got to let them be in pads more – because you're losing those four incredibly important dates to evaluate. So now, doesn't that go against the system that they've put in place the last five, yes. six, seven, ten years about, okay, no two-a-day practices really anymore, limited amount of padded practices, limited amount of contact in general. So now you're going to have to basically throw guys into – the machine and start humming right now. Are we headed toward more injuries for just this particular training camp because of this? No, I, I see it just the opposite. I think you, they've got to get in, as you know, contact shape is different than, you know, the, what we would think about being in shape, you know, cardiovascular contact yeah. shape. You've got to get used to your pad levels and the collisions. You need to have that. Yeah, and you, you got to get have it. it. Yeah. You do, because if you don't, then as the season starts, then you that's when you have those injuries, particularly in the offensive and defensive line. You know, Ron, when I was at the Rams, um, halfway through the season in 01, and we were really good that year. I and mean, we ended up winning a bunch of games and being in the Super Bowl and all that. But I remember Adam Tiverman, I'll never forget this. I said, look, guys, uh, this on Wednesday's practice, I took the pads off and put them out there in shells, you know, just the, the jerseys with those little little things underneath the jersey. 
And he said, hey, coach, uh, after our meeting, I announced it. He said, can we, can we, the lineman, can we, nine on seven, can we put our pads on, then take it off? I said, shoot, I was trying to take it easy on you guys. He said, we need to have the contact. We need to have that. So what we always yeah. did is we would pad up for nine on seven and then take them off and then finish with that. There's ways of dealing with that, you know, to yeah. limit the amount of contact. But the guys that got to have it are those big dudes. They, they got to have it. Because yeah. if you don't, then you, your pad level is different. The speed is different. Um, it just you don't stay on your feet. You may, you've been in practices, right? What are coaches always yelling? Stay on your feet. Stay up. Stay up. Stay, up, stay on your stay feet. Up. Everybody stay, stay up. up yeah. Everybody stay up. No injuries, right? So yeah. I think the injuries are soft tissue stuff in terms of pulls and strains and things like that. The contact stuff, I think you need to have a certain amount of it. You know, I'm sure all coaches feel that way. but um, And then I think you can back off it. But you've got to get them padded and ready to go. But to your point, which I, I didn't think of, which is really interesting to me. All right, let's just say the season comes off. They play the season. There's no preseason games. But <laughs> there won't be any more preseason games, as you know. Maybe away. ever, <laughs> ever. You just—it's <laughs> a whole yeah. different banana now, right? So, uh, yeah, you might have that whole. Yeah, and you know the other thing that does then it really puts a premium on another league because there's a chance of really looking past some guys that deserve to be in there that just don't get prepared or have an opportunity to show what they can do. You know, so perhaps, you know, that's a thought for another day where you know, you've got a new league, yeah. uh, much like basketball has, uh, to develop some of this talent, which I personally believe is vital for the NFL. Yeah, that, that is another discussion and a, and a good discussion that we can have because we talk about that quite a bit. Uh, m- moving here, th- this is uh, this is Demoris Smith. He had something to say regarding uh, the protocol, the testing, and, and where the two sides are at right now. Right now, we are dealing with, you know, three significant things. One, um, making sure that the operations that the league has proposed uh, conform with the protocols that we bargained for. Um, Number two, um, making sure that we have the right acclimation period so that training camp is conducted in a way so that our players are prepared uh, for a season And frankly, number three, all of us are dealing with um, the fact that in some jurisdictions, um, we are seeing um, uh, the rate of infections, the rate of hospitalizations, um, and the impact on ICU beds going in the wrong direction. And, And the only thing that we can do is to prepare and plan for a virus that changes, uh, but also prepare and plan for um, um, individual jurisdictions that are obviously changing on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis. Dean Marie Smith, uh, NFLPA Executive Director. Uh, that was from Sports Illustrated's uh, Robin Lindbergh show. Three things, test protocol, acclimation. We just discussed that. That was his second point. And... Cases going up. Now, that's interesting. In the last, I guess, month, within the month, in certain states that are going to have NFL training camps open up, the, the, the cases have skyrocketed. Texas, Florida, 
uh, parts of California have, have gone back up again. Uh, what's your take on, on his points and, and, and where he's going with that? Well, I think, first of all, I'd like to know if, if uh, the, the fan situation is going to be different. In other words, are they going to play and we're playing with a full stadium? Um, is it a reduced fan or are there no fans? I think that's really important. Uh, the infection, I think, is gonna, that's where it's going to come from, you know, and, and leak through the people that are there and then indirectly to the locker room somehow. I think that that's a real problem. But the hot spots, I think, Ron, that you can change venues relatively quick, particularly if you've got reduced fans. So, in other words, if, if I'm the Rams in L.A., and it's a hot spot, and they're not the league doesn't feel comfortable playing a the game there. Then you can go to a different venue, say, oh, I don't know, Las Vegas, for instance, if the Raiders aren't playing there. Because if they're if you don't have fans anyway, what difference would it make? You know, if it's a TV game, right? So if you've got right. twenty thousand, if you're allowing twenty thousand fans in, and if it's a Chargers, that that would be an increase in their attendance. So you know, anyway, so if you're in in, uh, in Las Vegas. And there are no fans, or there's a reduced uh, allowance for fans, that, or wherever it is. But I don't think that's a hard thing to do is to change the venue. We've, you know, that that does happen. It's happened in the league before, and they just have to prepare for it. Yeah, just just so you know, uh, Mark Davis, the Raiders owner, he he came out last week and said he he is not going to the games if his fans can't go to the games. I I, I thought you would want to know that. Uh, and also, he he also said that he wasn't sure there was going to be a season this year because of this whole virus thing and concerns of whether or not we can protect the players. So that you can have that along with your morning coffee. Thanks, Mark, for clearing this thing up. That there's a virus out there and it's it's uh, risky. Boy, Mark. <laughs> thank you so much you've you've made you've enlightened me mark thank you and i, I the league is much better for you not attending the games <laughs> trust me on that one so he's concerned about the players safety now that's good camp starts next week that's good mark get up boy the little late huh <laughs> come on oh man somebody must, well, have told him, somebody must have told him about the virus yesterday yeah he must have just yeah. heard about it <laughs> Well, to his to his his comment, okay, to his point, if you had to give it a percentage right now of, of actually happening, like the lead, the 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 season getting off and going all the way through duration, whether it's a an, a limited season or not, do you think it's going to happen? What, what would you give it percentage wise? Man, that's a hard question because I think it all depends on the NFLPA and the league office. I really do. I think. What they work out is worth is determines everything. It does not sound to me like the NFLPA is excited about playing the season. It, obviously, no, it the, doesn't. It the doesn't. owners want to play this season because, for obvious reasons. You know, there's the the hit that they're going to take is enormous. So, um, yeah, I would say it's a fifty fifty deal. Mm. And from a personal note, Ron, I'm not sure playing. And you know how much I love this game. I'm not sure playing football with the virus, the way it's come back and morphed, I guess, is the right thing to do. You know, college football 
I don't know how they even think about playing a season. You can't control anything there. Oh, at boy. least here you have yeah. variables. College football is a mess. No, it is a mess, Mike. And and again, I, I I've got two boys playing in the college system, and they, that feels like they're getting further and further away from it every week. And they it just and I and I think they're they're trying to. Um, they're trying to be as patient as they can and, and be as optimistic as they can. And I know what you've got going down the SEC and the Big Ten, and they're saying, no, we're going, going, going. But what people say and what ends up happening, I think, are going to be two totally different things. So it's a little wait and see on that. But uh, anyways, that, that's, that's it for us, man. I, I, uh, I appreciate your time. I always love talking to you. And till next week. We'll see what else is going on in the league. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to visit us on runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. We want to turn the mic around now and hear from our listeners. Have a question that you would like answered on the next episode of Run It Again? Just send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or comment on social media at runitagainpod. Be sure and join us next Tuesday for a new episode as former NFL player, longtime broadcaster, and good friend Solomon Wilcox joins us to discuss the opening day of NFL Training Camp 2020. Hey, just remember, we're two old pros trying to make you think a little. Be safe, stay healthy, everyone. Run it again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz, a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network's production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ted Woods, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Run It Again Podcast.